0: Welcome back to the eHunter podcast, everybody. Got another great podcast for you this week on the podcast. I have Michael Batiste. He is with Elk Calling Academy. If you guys haven't checked them out on Instagram. Make sure and check him out. He has a lot of cool stuff on there. So I'm excited to talk to him about just all things elk hunting. You know, we're in the off season right now as we're going to, as we publish this podcast. And um, it's a good time to be practicing up on your elk calls and making sure you got the right equipment, things like that. So we're going to chat about that today and get a lot of cool tips and tricks from Michael. So before we jump into the podcast, as always, we want to thank our sponsors, Vortex Optics, for everything they do for us. I was actually just working to put in a scope on my uh 1022. I've got one of the Diamondback scopes I'm putting on it uh, for my son to do his shooting, his uh, hunter safety shooting. So pretty sweet scope for a a low cost scope. It's hard to beat that scope. So anyways, check them out at vortexoptics.com. And all right guys, well, let's jump into the podcast with Michael, excited to get started on this and uh, ask him a bunch of questions about elk hunting.
1: You know, I, I've talked about that on, on quite a few podcasts and also on some Wapiti Wednesdays that, you know, when, when I started elk hunting in, in 1988, you know, there there wasn't TikTok, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, it you know VHS and hunting VHSs really didn't even come out until you know a few years a few years later. So the only training tool we had was out there in the woods. Yeah. And and I mean, even even when the is, you know, the the Primos Truth series, when those started, those those were entertainment. though, those, those weren't coaching or teaching or, yeah, or any of that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's your resource was, you know, getting out there and stumbling and screwing up and figuring it out and Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of envious of, you know, some of the younger generation that has all these tools to shorten that learning curve. That's for sure.
0: Oh man. That's what like, like you get a new out call or you get a new, even like, like I was researching packs, like of what kind of packs I wanted to buy. Man, you can hop on YouTube and pull up all sorts of different packs, and they break them down for you when they're when you should use them, and when you know this other pack's better. And like it's, yeah, you, I, I'm I'm the same way. I'm kind of jealous of this new age of of hunter because they they have way yeah. too many resources <laughs> at their disposal, so they know exactly what they're getting into. Back in the day, you you just bought whatever pack and you made it work, and it was, it was great. But <sighs> now you can research it for days before you buy it.
1: Well, and not only researching it, but the advancements in technology. Yeah. Um, I mean, when, you know, when I, when I first started hunting, it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was wearing, wearing my BDUs from the military. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause I was in the, I, I was in the national guard and so, yeah, it was wearing the BDUs and the pack frame was a, one of the old wooden framed military pack frames. <laughs> I mean, just uncomfortable as all get out. Yeah. And, and so yeah advancements in technology has has been incredible in you know the clothing and the packs and the bows and everything
0: yeah I I will say, I think it made us tougher because we had to deal with all that crap back in the day. You know, I I, like my boots, I remember my first hunting boots were kind of ridiculous. And I had so many blisters and sores. And now I wear crispies that are just absolutely amazing. I can hike all day, every day. And it's, yeah, it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. So we're tougher.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah, we can, we can, uh, you know, handle the elements better because, you know, we wore, you know, 15 pounds of wool to start with, and then it got wet from the rain and the snow and turned into about 30 pounds of wool. And, <laughs> you know, <he> <laughs> you were weighted down. So,
0: uh, I kind of miss the the good old days. I'm not going to lie, though. I, I like yeah. my gear now. I'm, I've kind of become a... I, I don't know if I call myself a gear nut, but I, I love new gear. And, like, you know, I've talked to the initial ascent guys and some of these other guys, and I'm like, man, I just... I love the technological advances we're making and I kind of geek out on it a little bit, but there are those days I'm like, I kind of miss the good old days when we didn't really think too much about it. We just went in the hills and hunted. So good and bad.
1: Uh, Oh yeah. And, 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 and I agree. I'm, I'm kind of a gear guy also. So when I see something new, I I definitely have the shiny penny syndrome Yep. and you know, I want to, I want to find out everything I can about it. And, and uh, that's, that's one of the, well, in fact, two of the two of the companies that I'm an affiliate marketer for is one of them is VSSL and they make, they're, they're called VSSL flashlights. So, but it's, it's a canister about this big around and you actually have tins that go in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. and, and so they have three different sizes. And so when those tins, I mean, you could have a first aid kit, you can have a fishing kit, you can have a fire starter. Um, and, and so what's kind of cool is they have a build your own. And so basically you can choose the size that you want, and then you can put the tins that you want. So it's so it's not like a first aid survival kit that, like so many out there, it's take it or leave it. Uh-huh. This is this is what you get. You can build exactly what you want nice. in there. And the, the company is for F-O-R-L-O-H, which, oh, yeah. which is a new clothing and brand in, in, in apparel company. But the cool thing is, is they have something that's called Reco Technology, R-E-C-C-O, mm-hmm. which what that technology is is Reco is a searchable frequency by search and rescue. So not only is this ca- is this camouflaging gear, but it's life saving equipment also. How does that work? So, how, how do they? How so, does it
0: recognizable?
1: So rescue helicopter flies over and it has radar that kind of pings. Uh huh this RECO technology that's built into some of their clothing actually sends a signal back. So, so those waves that search and rescue is sending out pings off the clothing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's wild. Like there's technology and then there's yeah. that. And that is, that's like some next level. I mean, that's going past Dick Tracy. That's going to like some, I don't
1: even <laughs> know what you want to call it. That's crazy. <laughs> well, and the cool th- and the cool thing is they have a men's line, a women's line and a youth line. And in so the whole family can be you know dressed. Cause that's one thing. My my 10-year-old son joined me for the first time in the Elkwoods last fall. Uh-huh. And so, and so when we went shopping for camo, of course we had to find, you know, because I've been wearing scree gear for the last few years and he wanted camel like mine. He so I had to try and find a camel pattern that was close enough. And and game height actually had something that that he was willing to compromise. It was, it was close enough for him. So, but now that I, now that I found him into this, this furlough and I'm like, okay, dude, we can, uh, we can match completely together. So man, I'm actually, I'm just pulling up. I haven't really, I've, I've
0: seen furlough on, uh, on Instagram. So I, 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 am kind of familiar yep. with yep. them. Um, but I, I haven't really looked into a lot of that. They actually got some really cool camel patterns. I really like some of this stuff,
1: man. It, but, if, but, but if you look at their camo patterns and you think of the real three major patterns that they have, uh-huh. I immediately think spring, spring, fall, winter.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So you have the different.
1: real heavy green for spring, uh-huh. then you got the tannish one, the mix for fall, and then you have kind of that snow camo for winter.
0: Yeah, you kind of got like turkey, spring bear hunting. You got deer hunting, you like uh, early season deer hunting. You got that late season rut hunting right there too. That's yeah. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, I like how you skipped
1: right over elk. I like how you skipped right <laughs> over elk. You went spring <laughs> turkey, spring bear, right to right to these deer hunts. Well, see, so, I'm from
0: Utah. We don't get a hunt. I'll yeah, call that. Yeah. Well, we do, but oh, it, yeah. you know, you get like this tag every 20 years oh, in on. Utah. So. You could you can hunt over the counter. You
1: just got to hunt spikes.
0: That's true. true. Hey, we do have yeah. we do have our uh you know this open bowl uh tag that they got like in some of these areas and I've seen some pretty good bulls taken off. Of. I have never I haven't done it. I've I've done the spike hunts, but um I think I'm going to get in on this this open bowl stuff that they that they got going on. Oh,
1: I remember a few years back was able to be a part of a hunt in uh the book cliffs. Uh-huh. The the ro- the roaded side, not the roadless, but the book cliffs roaded. Yeah. That ruined me for a couple of years. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh-huh. First 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 bowl we get into first evening. I that dude was pushing four hundred. I mean, just and it's like, really, this is how this hunt's gonna start. Wow. So wow. Yeah. What a way to start a hunt. Yeah. I, yeah, it's pretty bad when the first evening you 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 know, you know encounter a bull like that. And then for the next three days, you're passing on 360s. It's like, no, because I've seen the quality that's in here. I'm not going to take a 360. Yeah. And, and I wasn't the shooter. And, and I'm just looking at this person like, you are crazy. <laughs> you don't pass a 360 so, bull. No, no. So you know, you know, Idaho over the counter general mindset. I mean, I mean, there's, you know, we've we've taken some good bulls over the year, uh, years. I think you know three forty six is is the best that you know we've taken. Uh-huh. Um, you know, few in the three thirties, three twenties. You know, all over the counter public, but but yeah, you 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 see something in that three sixty to 380, 390 range, four hundred range, and it's just yeah. it's, it's jaw dropping.
0: It really is, and, and those ones stand out. Like once you see a good, you know, 360, 370 plus, anything past that, then you, you, they stand out. You're like, yeah, that's that's a big bull at that point. Yeah, where where are yeah. you located at? I was going to ask you that. Where where do you live? In Boise, Boise, Idaho. Okay, you're a Boise guy. I was, I was actually just yeah. up there um, with the with the real job. I I travel quite a bit, and so I was up there in, in the Boise Nampa
1: area. Okay. And actually I'll be I'll be over in the Utah area here in two weeks. Expo? Yeah. Yep.
0: Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. What are you do you have a booth for the expo?
1: No, actually, um I'm spending half the day on Friday and half the day on Saturday in the initial ascent booth. So and and, and that's the only that's kind of the only appearance time I booked for Uh the show this year. Usually I'll bounce around to a bunch of others and Liz and I were talking about it and I said, you know, let's just, let's just drive down Thursday and I'll work Friday morning. Then we can walk around the show Friday afternoon and then I'll work, you know, half the day on Saturday and then we can spend the other half walking around and then we'll get up Sunday and take our time getting home. And hopefully my my nature cooperates on the (laughs) roads. Nice. Heck yeah I think we're
0: so my my partner with e hunter I think we're gonna be there Friday and Saturday and and absolutely we'll stop by the initial ascent booth and, and hang out with Dennis and, 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 yeah, that'd and be these awesome. guys so we'll have to come by and uh, yeah meet you and actually get to shake your hand you know like what real people do in real yeah. life kind of a thing <laughs> yes
1: yes that, you know that is okay that is one really cool thing about social media is how it's allowed us to connect Mm -hmm. with so many people in, in, you know, just in a broad spectrum of areas. Um, And and that's the really cool thing is because then when you do finally get a meetup in in person, it's like, you've been friends for a long, long time. And it's, it's just, it's, it's cool. The aspect that social media is, you know, brought us all together and now you know sharing information with a lot of the attacks that are going on lately you know to hunting in several different areas and everybody banding together and sharing that information and it's it's got its advantages
0: yeah absolutely there's a lot of bad in social media but there's a lot of good in social media it's all in how you use it if you use it the right ways it can be an absolutely amazing tool one of the best things about our time but yeah it can also be it can be bad but but i agree like i people you've never met before you've talked to them on on a on a screen like you and i are talking or even just over the phone and then yeah you get there and yeah it's like you're your best friends like you've known each other forever it's 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 pretty dang awesome
1: yeah yeah, looking forward to getting back to the show since it uh, didn't happen last year or so. Yeah. It's, what do, you, what do you It's going to be a good time. So. What do you think it's going to do?
0: Do you think having the, the year off is going to like have less people there? Or do you feel like it's going to be, look the freak out. We're going to have so many people there.
1: You know, I'm going back and forth. You, you know, there's there's some days that I think it's just going to get inundated because it didn't happen last year. And since there was so much lockdown and, and now there's the ability to you know, come out and see everybody. And, and so, you know, there's times I'm thinking it's just going to be mass pandemonium. Yeah. But on the flip side too, with, you know, every time you turn on the news or pick up a newspaper, it's, Oh, this variant, that variant. And, you know, so now are people going to be like, yeah, I don't want to chance it. I don't want to risk it. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see.
0: I, I It's one of like the things I'm most excited about with the, just to see how it is. Cause <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I'm so used to what it has been in the past, and it'll just be interesting to see what right. it looks like this year with having the hiatus last year, coming back this year. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, they've got more booths than they've ever had. And I don't know where they're putting all these booths. Yep. So, I mean, that the that Salt Palace is only so big. I know that, you know, we extended into that back half, but yep, there's yep. still only so much room. So I, I love it. We're just jamming everybody in there.
1: Well, I know, because when I was talking to Ken Hand with the Mueller Foundation in 2019, last time they had it, uh-huh. you know, that's what he was he was talking about. He goes, you know, we have such a huge waiting list that we're going to actually open up the last section. So, so they are opening up the last section. But when I was looking at the booth map, they're showing that last section as just being trailer parking. So it's like, okay, oh. so did you not get as many? booths or, which I think is weird because I've talked to a couple of companies that have always been there, uh-huh. but they didn't participate in the online deal last year. And then when they went to set up their booth, Hunt Expo was like, yeah, I, I don't know if we can, you know, get you your booth this year. Cause, uh, you know, you didn't participate in this last year and we have so many people waiting to get in. And, and so they didn't get a booth. So, wow. so I don't know
0: wow that's crazy yeah so i've talked to a few people that have got boot have gotten booths this year and yeah for the most part they've said that it's just there's just more and more booths and and i saw the booth map as well and yeah yeah, i I don't know it's going to be interesting i'm just excited to get back together you know that that's like a big family reunion for me i I love seeing people that i haven't seen for a couple (laughs) of years and just just chatting and you know just catching up with people so i'm excited yep but hey, let's uh same, let's same. let's talk Elk Calling Academy. I'm I've been I've been okay. super stoked for this podcast. Yeah. Um <laughs> for a couple reasons. Okay, so so I should get my Utah tag this year, my limited entry Utah tag. I've got a plethora of points, been putting in since I was a kid. Um so Elk is it even though I didn't bring it up earlier, Elk really truly is on my mind. And um <laughs> And so I've been thinking. I've been looking, like I've been looking at different calls because I've, I've, I've got my calls, and and they're fine and they've worked. But I'm like, you know what? This is like my my hunt. This is what I since I become a hunter. This is what I'm about. Is is this hunt right here? And so I'm like, oh, I, I want to get new new calls. I want to really practice, you know, a lot this year. I, I'm I'm okay, but I, I, you know, I'm I'm no up nowhere up near you know the Michaels of this world's territory. So <laughs> I, I've been stoked to kind of just ask you a, a bunch of questions and uh, just pick your brain a little bit. I know a lot of our listeners are gonna are gonna love this, but before we jump into my ramblings and questions and little kid excitement, um. Let's talk about the Elk Calling Academy. Tell me a little bit about it, like, you know, the whole, like, origin of when it started and, and just kind of how it's become what it is today. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So so the way Elk Calling Academy started, I, I, I think I started it uh, four years ago. Um, maybe five, I don't know, The the years are kind of blending together now, but, <laughs> and the way it started was I was in a local archery shop here and they, uh, they walked up and they handed me this name and number on a piece of paper. And they were like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's looking for, uh, someone to help him with this calling, you know, doing some lessons and, and you know, we kind of recommended you and, you know, cause you've worked in the industry and um, cause I mean, I, I used to be Rocky Jacobson's right-hand man mm-hmm. at, at Bugling Bull Game Calls. It's now Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. Right. Um, I actually, cause I actually started with Primos and then transitioned into, you know, working with Rocky and then, yeah, five years ago started out calling Academy. And, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I will i have taught people at shows and this and that, I'll, I'll give them a call. And, and so I called the guy and he says, yeah, he goes, I've just, I've been trying to learn a diaphragm read. I can't figure it out and I just need help. And and I said, okay, I said, not a problem. And, and he goes, I'm willing to pay. And I'm like, you don't have to pay. Um, we can, we can do this. He goes, no, your, your time's valuable. He goes, why don't you, why don't you figure out some time that's available and what it's worth to you? And then call me back. And I said, okay, I got off the phone and. Knox, my youngest was like hey dad I want to take swim lessons I said yeah we'll we'll get that figured out we'll we'll find you an instructor and I took like two stop steps and I stopped and I was like so we can pay for swim lessons drum lessons guitar lessons dance lessons you know we can pay for all these lessons mm-hmm. I remember when I learned or uh, how to use a diaphragm read it was so frustrating. Yes. I, I, I mean, I would buy one and I would try it and I'd pull it on my mouth and go, this is the dumbest thing in the world and, and go back to externals. Yep. And and, and then I would, nope, I'm going to try this again. Nope. This is dumb. Nope. And then finally I got it. And and I mean, early on, I mean, oh, dude, it was, it was a cat with its tail <laughs> caught in the fan belt of a motor that somebody just cranked over. It was just the most God awful sound. But, and, and, and so I was like, okay, so, so I called him and, and I said, okay, I'm available on these nights. And and how about this per hour? He goes, okay, I'd like to pay for four of them. You what? He goes, I'd like to pay for four of them. And I'm like, okay. And so then that, that's what just got me thinking. It's like, okay, how many other people? And so I, I kind of jumped on social media on, on my Facebook page and, and just said, hey, how many of you people struggle with a diaphragm read? And I mean, I, I jumped into some chats, you know, some online forums and stuff. So, yeah. And, and so I jumped in and and just said, you know, hey, you know, who, who would be interested in this? And of course, you know, you have the bleacher naysayers that were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard paying for calling lessons. Right. You can just pull up a YouTube video or pull up this. And, and I said, you're right. You can, but that, but that YouTube video is not going to listen to you and go, Hey, push your tongue forward a little bit, mm-hmm. or you know what, we need to get you into a different read because the read you're using does not fit the palate, It doesn't fit the roof of your mouth. And, and, and that YouTube video is not going to be able to do that. We're a one-on-one lesson. And, and so, so then it got, you know, it kind of took off with, you know, quite a few people here in the Boise area wanting the one-on-one and then I said, okay, how can, how can I expand this? And, and and that's when I started, you know, the YouTube channel and uploading, you know, the beginner's guide to outcalling videos. Yeah. And, and then I was like, how can I reach more people? How can, how can I do more one-on-ones? And then that's when I brought Zoom video conferencing into the deal. Cause I mean, I was like, okay, am I going to bring on team members that this person is going to be in this area? And he, you know, almost the pro staff a- approach. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, no, we can do this with zoom. <laughs> so, so, and then, yeah, zoom. And that just, that just broadened, you know, the reach of it. And then, uh, two years ago set up the Patreon page that is a paid membership. It's kind of a, you know, we call it the private herd member group. Right. Um, and, you know, that's been rolling along for the last couple of years. And then last year, I just started re-recording all of the instructional videos because I noticed there was elements that were left out and watching what everybody else was doing. And I was like, okay, there's, there's still elements here. There's still a market of elk hunters and elk callers. That's not being touched. That's not being helped. And so late spring, early summer this year, the actual full-blown e-course oh. for Elk Calling Academy will get launched. And I mean, Patreon has been great, but everybody that leaves, I, I go in and I read the exit interviews and they're allowed to leave comments. And the number one comment that I get on that page is it's too hard to find the information. It's too hard to find the older videos Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay I want something that my my OCD can control (laughs) where this information is and and how accessible it is because that's that's the biggest thing that I want I want this information accessible and easily found so that people can navigate easily but then also if they come back because you know because keep accessing it keep coming back and you know I, I want to go focus on the cow sounds because I'm doing a late season hunt. So I mean, I'm going to go back and watch that, you know, what's the cow sound chapter yeah. and and go through all that. And so, so yeah, it, you know, elk calling Academy started with just one phone call of somebody wanting one-on-one individual lessons and and it's just kind of evolved and grew from there over the last 4 or 5 years.
0: So how far have you expanded to what, what what's your uh how you know like have you got people from Arizona calling you and Colorado and I mean how far
1: has it gone? <sighs> um farthest farthest student away has been east coast and one up in Canada. So dang, dude. And, wow. Yeah, so so lots, lots across. In fact, uh, it was really cool. I did uh I did some lessons with an individual from Virginia last uh-huh. year. And he had just got brought into, to, well, it was the second year that he was gonna hunt with this this group three. He was brought in at the fourth. Uh-huh. And group three, this was you know, they had made three, four trips out to Colorado previously. And so this is, I think this was going to be their fourth trip and his first. And so uh he just actually happened to stumble across the YouTube channel and reached out. We did some lessons, and it was so cool because I, I heard from him after season and, and I said, How did it go? And he goes, you know, he goes, So so. He goes, remember, I told you those guys are tree stand hunters. And I said, Well, yeah, they're white tail guys, and pretty much that's you know what they do. Yeah. And he goes, When we first got to Colorado, all they wanted to do was sit on game trails and water sources. And you know, after a couple of days, we just weren't seeing anything. And and so I I you know, and I I kind of told the guys about the breeding sequence that you teach, and 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 they were like, Yeah, not sure. And so he goes, So finally on day three, I was like, Look, guys. We're not seeing anything. They're just not moving. Can, can we just try this for an hour? Will you just give me one hour? And they were like, fine, whatever. He called in four bulls in that one hour, and they were like, "What are you doing? Where did you learn this? What is this magic?" And so, and it was so awesome that it just you know it transformed yeah. you know the the way they hunt, and then and and now they got to experience you know the bugling and the interaction, and and you know the elk coming in and, and that exciting part that just you know makes your makes your pulse race and, and, and your knees knock and the adrenaline just going and, and your breath quicken. And that's, that's the exciting part that, and it's one thing that I absolutely love when a first time elk hunter or their first success and hearing that excitement in their story as they tell it, it it, it just, it, it it takes me back, you know, to my first one. It's just, it's awesome to get to experience that and and just see that over and over and over again.
0: And those guys are hooked now. Those guys will be hooked for the rest of their life. So (laughs) those poor suckers, you probably made them so poor.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, I, I kind of equate myself to, uh, you know, a a drug dealer. I'm going to give you a little test and then you're going to get hooked on that bugling and that adrenaline. And you know, then it's going to, then it's going to cost you because you know, then you're going to be going out hunting every single year and, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: amazing. So I lived in Colorado. I've lived in Colorado the last six years. I just moved back to Utah where I was, where I was born and raised and, uh, you know, hunting in Colorado. It's amazing how many people come from all over the country to hunt Colorado. You know, we, we see people from, from Tennessee and Wisconsin and Virginia and, and and all these places. And it's actually, it's really fun because you'll, you'll start talking to them. You're like, you know, like what, why? Why come to Colorado, you know, like there's, there's, there's places you right. can go and, and, and whatnot. And, and they say that like, it's cause we can, you know, we can hunt them in the rut. We can bugle with them and talk to them and get them to come into to calls. And, you know, that, that's the special thing about, uh, about elk hunting that I don't think you can get anywhere else. it's just so fun to be able to call and, and those, those interactions when you have a bull, you know, when you call it, and in fact, look, I'm looking at a picture right now of a bull screaming, but you know, when you, when you see that bull come in and scream at you, I mean, like you said, your pole starts racing, your knees start knocking, it's just, it, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And your words can't even describe it. You got me all excited as you were talking about that. Cause I, I, oh. I love that.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a rush. And you know, Bryce, one of my, one of my long hunting partners, he he makes fun of me so bad um, just because when that bull coming in and my adrenaline starts, you know, ramping up. But as soon as I draw an anchor, man, I'm rock solid, execute the shot. And as soon as I see that arrow, bury, you guys in Utah can probably feel the trembles and shakes that I have. <laughs> and, and he always makes fun of it. You know, he's, he, he's over there doing this, making fun of me. And I keep telling him, I'm like, dude, the day that goes away is the day I stop hunting. It's... So as long as, as long as that is still there, I'm still going to do it. Yep. And I, so. I
0: don't think that goes away, and, man. That's, that's something that's just, it's so no. special. That, that I don't think that goes away ever, ever.
1: No. Well, and, and I can still remember my very, very first elk hunt ever in, in 1988, the whole 26 minutes of it. <laughs> so it uh I, I, 26 minutes. I, 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 had, I had a call wanna, I my hear this story 20 t- 26 minutes. So I, you know, I, I got introduced into archery when I was 14 or 15. I had a couple of teachers in high school that shot archery. One was one was traditional and one was compound. And so I ended up buying a Fred Bear 45-pound takedown recurve. from the traditional guy and just, you know, went, went and got some old Easton XX 75 arrows and, and dad brought home three, three straw bales for me. And I sat there in the backyard and just started flinging arrows. And I was ecstatic if I could hit a paper plate at like 10 yards. So, I mean, that was, that was, that was a good day. That was a good day. And so, so then I, you know, I got into, linked into some guys that, you know, shot archery and and then, you know, it, it kind of evolved and, and, you know, I had grown up pheasant hunting and duck hunting and, and doing a little bit of deer hunting. And, um, I, I just decided there in, in 88, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give this elk hunting a try with a bow. Let's just, let's just see. And, and so my uncle had a call that he made out of an old pillbox and a condom. <laughs> so, so in fact, when I mentioned to him that I was going to go, oh, okay. And he actually grabbed this. and He goes, ah, oh, let me show you this. And he goes, Oh, no, no, that, that latex is bad. <laughs> that, that, that That's bad. And he takes it off and he runs in the bedroom and he comes out and he no. opens up a condom. And I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> And and he puts that in the call, and I'm like, that thing ain't going near my mouth. Yeah, I'm not putting that in my mouth. There's there's something wrong with putting that in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so – so, but then he, then he demonstrated and and it sounded like this mad with what I know now, I mean, back then it was like, Oh my God, that sounds great. Now looking back on it, it sounded like an angry, mad Russian cow that was just, you know, yelling in <laughs> Russian at somebody. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So, so I, I woke up in the morning, um, put the put the camouflage on did my military face paint I did full-blown tactical military face paint. yeah I mean at the house not when I got to the woods at my house which means I walked out got in my truck driving through town at like four o'clock in the morning and here I am full camoed up (laughs) drove up to the mountains had, had 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 no clue where I was going to go. I was like, you know, Hey, I've been up here a couple of times, you know, doing this or that. And so let's just, why not? So I I was heading down a road and and I said, you know, I'm not going to get anything in the truck. I just, I need to park and start, start walking down this road. And so I I stopped the truck and and grabbed the bow and put on that wooden pack frame and started walking down the road. And I, I, I walked maybe, 150 yards and I saw tracks across the road and here's this wet spot in the road. And I'm like, what is that? And I, you know, kind of pick up the rock and smelled it. And I'm like, oh, that's a real musky smell. What is this? And, and again, no, no clue what I'm doing about elk hunting and, and not even sure. And I was like, well, you know, yeah, I, I think those are elk tracks. They're, they're bigger than deer tracks. They, they got to be elk tracks. And I grabbed that call out of my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, oh my God. And, and I kind of moved, moved off the road a little bit. And then all of a sudden I just see this five point just running towards me. And then he stops and he's like, Oh, and I'm like, this is the coolest oh. freaking thing. <laughs> and I'm just frozen. I, I couldn't do anything. And, and he's only probably 22, 23 yards. I mean, not that far. And he's just, he's looking around and he bugled a couple more times and then he turned and kind of trotted back. And then my emotions kind of calmed down a little bit and my breathing slowed. And I I mean, mind you, I was frozen like a statue when he came in and so everything kind of calmed down. And then I was like, Oh, that is the coolest thing in the world. I want more of this. And so I, I started running the direction that he went and again, only went a couple a couple hundred more yards and I, I went ahead and I knocked an airline. Yeah. <laughs> and then I mean he just came running in and I'm like. Control your breathing. Control wow. your breathing. And and you know I, I, I'm shooting, i shooting I'm shooting a compound fingers and instinctive no no sights nothing uh-huh. and, and so you know he he kind of comes to the right of me a little bit and and I kind of shift my feet and go okay and I just rear you know pull back and wow follow through and now mind you fingers in a compound and I think that arrow was
0: <laughs> you know probably
1: going end to end the way it looked like the way it was flying but it hit the spot. Wow! And and I saw it hit right behind the shoulder and, and, and he turned and and he, he ran probably about 70 yards and then just stopped and fell right over.
0: And I'm like, what the heck
1: just happened? So, so I, I go over there and and I'm still kind of taking it all in. Like, you know, I I sat there for a good minute and I'm like, okay, is, is is he going to get back up and is he going to run? Is he, is he, is he really down? Yeah, Is he really dead? And And so just, you know, no movement. And so finally I go up there and, and I take that board pack off and and I'm like, okay, well, let's get to work. And so I gutted him out and then I'm like, okay, I'm not that far from the road. No problem. Grab those antlers like I was going to drag him to the road, and he <laughs> didn't even like budge. And then, I, then I then I tried to give it a tug again, and he didn't budge. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have to break this up into smaller pieces. <laughs> so and and, and so I, I I actually I took one of the front quarters off, and, and and I put that on the pack frame, and then walked to the truck. Mm-hmm. And my, that thing was digging into my shoulder Mm. so bad by the time I got to the truck that I just, I took that thing off and I threw, I threw the quarter and the frame and everything in the back of my truck and just walked back to the elk and then cut another quarter off, threw it over my shoulder, walked to the truck. And I mean, all in all, you know, 250, 300 yards from the truck. Wow. So, um, yeah. And, and of course, you know, didn't know you got to break everything down and hang it and. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was quite the quite the experience. I, I now here's the funny thing is is this was up by Tollgate, Oregon. Is uh-huh. Where this is, and, and and Tollgate has a place called Tollgate Station, which used to be a little convenience store. You walk through the door and to the left, they used to have this big Bigfoot display. And so I stopped in there to get something to drink, and, and I'm just kind of, you know, walking into this Bigfoot display. And here's a map that has pins; whole map of the state of Oregon has pins of Bigfoot sightings. And all of a sudden, I notice here's this big cluster. And I look, and I'm like, "Holy crap! That is exactly where I was just hunting with a bow and arrow." Or no way. I don't think I, I don't think I'm ever going to be coming back to this place again. So. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, that's crazy! So with a, a compound bow with your fingers and a condom yeah. as a call, <laughs> yes. you killed a yes. five-point elk three hundred yards off yes. of the road.
1: <laughs> yes, twenty twenty-six in twenty-six minutes into my very first ever hunt. So wow! Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, that, that more, hooks you right there. Have, Yeah. And, and, you know, we're going to chalk that one up to just pure dumb luck. No,
0: that was all skill. That is all skill right there. I I would own that. I'd be like, yep, that's exactly how I drew it
1: up. (laughs) yeah i did you know i used to joke for a while on that i was like you know i seriously thought about writing a letter to trojan and ask for a sponsorship yeah so i but i didn't think i i didn't think they really sponsored in the hunting world back then so you know it may not have gone that well
0: (laughs) hey it could have been you know a new little niche into into hunting they could have got trojan into hunting (sighs) and get trojan making uh, elk calls i mean hey the possibilities are endless (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, with the ta- with the slogan of "I hunt safe." That's so, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Yeah, yo, that's a yeah. that's, that's so funny because because <laughs> one of the
0: questions I wanted to ask you today, while well, I told you, is, is I wanted to talk about calls and what calls are good for beginners, and what calls are good for experts, and stuff like that. And isn't it funny that you know? Okay, so sorry, going way back, you were talking about you know diaphragms and people going back to the externals and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm I'm there. I'm one of those people, so I I've, I can do. Okay diagrams okay. and whatnot, but I always go back to my Primo's external call because it's just, it works. I can make it sound good. Yeah. And I always worry, like, do I do I sound good? Do I sound good enough kind of a thing? You know, and I go out every year, and I call elk every year and have fun and call them in to me. And, you know, I obviously don't shoot them, but it's just, it's just the fun of going out and calling. <laughs> but uh, isn't it fun right. just to be able to, to take whatever you've got out there? And I think, I guess, that's kind of what I'm trying to get uh, across here is, You know, it doesn't really well, I mean, it does matter what call I do think that I do think there are different degrees of calls and there are ones that are better for you. But the most important thing is that you use whatever you have and you get out there and you start calling and you figure out how to use it and use it better and sound better and figure out what they sound like and get better. So so let me ask you that question. Let's start with like like people trying to get into hunting. Like when you're when you're doing your classes and and you have a a person that has never called elk before. They they have I mean, they've heard elk bugle and, and want to get into elk hunting, never called elk before. What is your recommendation for those kind of people?
1: Well, first, I'm going to have a conversation because you know not everybody can use a diaphragm read. Just you, you know, for some reason, um, <clears throat> it could be that they have a very, very high narrow palate that they just can't find a read to fit and can't get the seal, or they could be le- allergic to the latex. You know, the That's diaphragm reads are you know built on, so you know they're they're forced to go to external type reads. Um, but the biggest thing is is at, you know, like I mentioned, everybody's palette is 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 different sizes and different shapes. And with within diaphragm reeds, you have different size frames, and the frame is the metal horseshoe that the latex is pressed in between. Mm-hmm. And you have narrow frames, medium frames, and wide frames. And so it's it's just like buying a shirt. You you have to find the right size frame that fits the riff of your mouth, especially when you're learning and. I mean, I don't know if you've really read the back of a packaging on a diaphragm read, but I remember one time, and, and, and in fact, in 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 chapter one of of the beginner's guide to Elk Calling academy, I, I I make a pun and I said, okay, you're standing there at the wall of confusion, <laughs> and, and and that's that's what the wall of calls is. It's, yes. it's the wall of confusion, especially as a beginner. You it's know intimidating. What, it really is intimidating it, to look at that wall. It is. And then, then then you buy one and then you read the back of the packaging and you're more confused than when you even started by reading, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the instructions. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. And because the way they the way that used to be written on those is like this doesn't make any sense with EOs and Me's and moos and Oo's and Oz's and <laughs> yeah. it's like okay, I'm still trying to figure out how this dang thing is supposed to fit in the roof of my mouth. Right. You, you and which know, way do which, I put which it way in? does it go in? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so but yeah. So one of the things that I'll, I'll tell a lot of students is um, what I generally recommend is, you know, getting like the, for example, the orange Phelps amp read, because mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of a, a narrower frame that is a that is a single light latex and then get the mellow yellow from rocky mountain hunting calls which again is a single latex in a in a medium frame and then the rip it black from native by carlton which is a wide frame but again it's a it's a light latex and as a beginner that's the important thing you want a light single light latex because the single light latex takes less tongue pressure, takes less air pressure, and you can start making sounds earlier. I mean, I've had some brand new students show up at my house to do lessons with triples, oh, and it's geez. like do you understand, oh, do you understand the tongue pressure and and air pressure, and and you know, as soon as you get them into the right read, and they start making sounds, and because that's just what you want to do when you start you just you just want to be able to make a sound on it yeah and, and seeing their face light up mm-hmm. and so and so I, I generally recommend beginners to get those three reads because then you can figure out what size is going to fit your palate the best the other way that you can do is you can take your thumb and you can just put it on the roof of your mouth right behind your, your front teeth and you can feel how the width of your thumb fits in that palate. And then you can actually take a look at your thumb and go, Oh, okay, I need I need a frame that's about that wide. Okay, okay, gotcha. See, I knew I I knew I was gonna talk you into doing that. So. <laughs> you know I was gonna be over here sticking my fingers so, in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sucking my thumb. But but but, if, but in reality, if you if you kinda if you kind of do that, and then you look at the width, width of your thumb, and then you take a diaphragm read and you and you hold a frame up. On that diaphragm read, you can see right here. So there's the width of my thumb. Uh Here's this diaphragm read, and you can see how that frame almost matches the width of my thumb. Yeah. Okay. So I pretty I I pretty much know that right there. That oh okay this size read is going to be a good place for me to start. Mm -hmm. So, then it's okay. So now, and diaphragm reads reads have evolved. A bunch. Um, it used to just be a conventional reed, which uh, elk reeds kind of were a spin-off of turkey reeds. Yes, and and that's <clears throat> it was somebody taking a turkey reed that was proficient and said, you know what, I can make an elk sound with this. So once kind of the raised angle pallet plate came out, that opened up a whole other dimension because those traditional reeds were designed to go a little bit farther back in the in, in the roof of your mouth And for a lot of people the front of your roof is a hard palate, and as you start moving back you get into a softer palate. the only problem is you start putting things on that softer palate, the That's old true. gag reflex comes in exactly and a lot and a lot of people suffer from the gag reflex
0: oh man the first time i put i, I remember the first time i got my first diaphragm <laughs> And my dad told me to put it clear back in the back of my my palate there, and I looked like a kid that was about to to puke his guts out. I oh, it was the worst. And I said, "What? Why would I do that? I can't oh. I can't call I can't go hunt elk while I'm sitting there gagging on the side of the mountain." <laughs> yeah, it's not a
1: good thing when you're on the mountains. and You're like, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah that just, it just doesn't work. So. No. Uh. But yeah, so the so the raised angle palate plates were designed to go farther forward in the roof of your mouth, which which eliminated that gag reflex. And so so for a lot of people, you know, they start running that way far forward. And what I tell a lot of people is, if you feel your canine teeth, your incisors, uh-huh. and if you if if you kind of line up the front of the reed with the canine teeth, that's a great way to, that's a great place to start because then you can you can adjust the reed forward or back in the roof of your mouth, my optimum spot is I run the front of my reed right in line with my premolars, which is the teeth right behind the incisors. So that's kind of back where I run mine, which is kind of in the, in the yeah. middle, but then it comes to, okay, what, what, what part of the tongue? And so what I tell a lot of people to do is just go shh, shh and pay attention to which part of your tongue is flexing up. And then next act like you're flattening out a piece of bubble gum again, pay attention to which part of your tongue is pressing up on the roof of your mouth. It's different for everybody. But that part of your tongue. If it's the same part on both those movements, that's the optimum part of your tongue. You have the most control with, which means that's the part of your tongue that you need to be controlling that day. If I'm reading have the most control right there. Gotcha. I can see the wheels turning. Yeah. Well, okay. So, do I have it here? Do I <laughs> well, this? Yeah.
0: I'm trying to feel like where I where I put mine. So I'm probably more like where you put yours. Mine's probably a little bit further back than my canines. So it's probably right there yeah. in those premolars. And then yeah, I'm sitting here going through my tongue like where I push up. And I, well, tell me if I'm wrong here. Like I feel like it's somewhat natural. Like you, when when you put that diaphragm in your mouth, when you start putting your tongue up there to to make the sounds, it's almost natural where your tongue comes up does does that make sense
1: it 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 does um but a lot of people will will do that natural their their tongue will grab it and they'll put it up in the in the roof of their mouth in that natural position with that natural part of the tongue but then they'll move their tongue they'll pull it back Mm. because they want to use the very very tip of the tongue oh gotcha and it, it in, in the tip of the tongue, we don't have a lot of control on it. And that's where some people, if they got a lot of fluttering in their sounds, uh-huh. it's because they're using the tip of that tongue. And that tip of the tongue is fluttering. Or if all they do is just push that tongue forward a little bit and kind of get on that optimum spot. And for me, it's about three quarters of the way, three quarters of an inch back from the tip of my tongue. That's, that's for me, that's my optimum spot. Gotcha. So... And, and then it's, then it's just a matter of just doing shh and shoots and, you know, doing a lot of S's shh and stuff. And that's what will get that airflow and start getting that air to flow across the diaphragm.
0: And so when you're doing these courses on zoom and you're having these guys make these guys and gals make these sounds, can you hear that pretty well through zoom so that you can yeah. say, Hey, yeah,
1: move, move that diaphragm forward, move it back a little oh, bit. Yeah. You can hear that well enough. Well, and you got to understand, I mean, I've, I've worked in the hunting industry in a, four call companies for ooh, getting close to 20 years. Oh, don't tell everybody somewhere. your age now. don't, don't be doing between, that. Between, <laughs> between, well, I, I started when I was six. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, said you went yeah. on
0: your first hunt in like 89. You must've been like three when you went on your first hunt. So. <laughs> yeah. See, now,
1: now you're crunching all, now you're crunching all the numbers. That's here, right. So. <laughs> um, but, but no, you know, you know, when you, when you, when you work for a call company and you do a lot of sports shows working in the booth and you work with person after person after person, you start to recognize palette shapes and you start to recognize, okay, this is the read that you need. And then Nope, you have that too far back. You're using the tip of your tongue. Nope. I can hear air leaking. We need to, you know, we need to get a better seal here. And, and so you just kind of learn for those little things to hear mm-hmm. and, and to make those adjustments and the wonderful thing about zoom too is is being able to be you know face to face even though we're not sitting in the same room but being able to see what they're doing Uh with their mouth yeah and and the number one thing that i see so many people do is they get so tense Mm -hmm. and it's like just relax yeah just relax all the muscles and and, and then on the flip side, <clears throat> then they get too relaxed and then they're really timid on the diaphragm reading. It's like, okay, you know, just, you can put tongue pressure and air pressure. You, you, you're not going to break that thing. Right. It's, 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 it can handle it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so, but yeah, Zoom is a, is a great tool to, to work through all those progressions. That's
0: amazing. When you're doing those courses, do you, I guess I should say in the beginning, do you have them use tubes or are you just having them use mouth so that you can see their mouth and and make adjustments and then
1: work into a tube later? So absolutely. Because basically, I mean, you're trying to build muscle memory and when you've never held a diaphragm, you know, when you've never held a grunt tube to your mouth or never used a diaphragm read, you're introducing so many factors that your brain is trying to figure out. You, you, You know, it's like, okay, you're you're throwing a lot of new activities at me and you're trying to get me to figure out five, six, seven things. Can we back it off and maybe just focus on one or two? That's a good point. And then build, you know, add things into it. And 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 that's what it is, the muscle, the muscle memory. And so um so I usually have somebody, especially a beginner, there's there's two drills that I have them start. And and the first one is a high to low drill. So it's starting on that high note and you're controlling your tongue pressure and also the pressure with your diaphragm to bring that note down in a nice controlled manner. Uh-huh. And what that do what that what that's doing is you're really exaggerating that movement which then is the same movement for a cow sound. Yeah. So, but by exaggerating that, what you're doing is you're teaching muscle memory on the movement of the relaxation to lower the tone down, but you're also doing muscle memory on different pitches. So if I want to sound like an older cow, (coughs) less pressure, younger cow, (coughs) more pressure. So, so that drill teaches you all that muscle memory. Now, the second drill is a low to high. So, so obviously the high to low is for cow sounds. The low to high is going to be bugling, but we do this one differently because we're going to start with just barely touching the reed, and it kind of forms the Skeeter sound. Uh And then we're going to increase our tongue pressure and we're going to increase that pressure with our diaphragm read, but this one, we're not going to go straight up because we want control. Wow. And and hold those stair steps. And then basically that one, when you put it all together, it forms that bugle.
0: Dang, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm actually really impressed. I've never done a bugle over uh, over Zoom.
1: Actually, I, I can
0: hear that very well. That's amazing. <laughs> good,
1: good. It's 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 my Rode NTB microphone that I That's actually what set is. the the limits on. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so that yeah, that way it won't uh, that way it won't distort out on loud volume or on the high pitches.
0: Man, if you asked me to, to do a call on a video podcast and have everybody watch me, I, I don't know that I could uh, make, I could perform like you just perform and be able to do all those different tones toes. And how, I'd be so freaking nervous that it would, it would sound like a, a child bugling at first. How many hours a day do you have that
1: diaphragm in your mouth? You know, actually not as much as, as, as used to. Um, but, you know, when, when learning, and, and, and that's one of the things that, because, because when I do, when I do classes, you know, with students um, and, and also for the ECA herd members, that's one of the things that I tell them is, is don't come in here and run through all the, all the videos in one day. Mm -hmm. It's, it's take each step because you're going to have homework on each one. And when I was, when I was first doing the lessons, we would go one day a week, every week. Mm -hmm. And once we kind of started progressing, the students would come and I'd be like, Hey, how did the homework go? Yeah. You know, life kind of got in the way. I didn't really have a chance to get it. And then you're not really going to be able to progress on what we want to do because you don't have those foundations. And so, so now it's all go every other week, or I'll just let the student, here's your homework, go work on it. Let me know when you're ready for the next one. Gotcha. And that high to low, low to high, I mean, doing that 100, 200, 300 times, just building that muscle memory. And, and, and the number one thing that I hear from a lot of people is I don't have anywhere to practice. I can't do it <laughs> at home. I would get kicked out of the house. And and for a lot of people, when I talk to them, it's like, how far is it from your house to your job? Exactly. Well, I, I, I drive 20 minutes and I said, 20 minutes each way or 20 minutes? Yeah, 20 minutes each way. Dude, you have forty minutes to practice right there every yep. single day, yep. and there's nobody in the rig that's going to throw you out on the side of the road. You yep. don't have anybody at home that's going to kick you out in the garage or tell you to go outside or roll your eyes or Neighbors start a fight. You. Yes, you have the car, and I'll tell you what—it's—it's—it's it's, it's hilarious when when you're in in towns and and you know you pull up to a stoplight and you roll your window down a little bit and. <laughs> you know, and people are looking around and you just kind of, you know, because it, it, it doesn't take much movement of the right. mouth. And and so, yeah, it's, it's it's just fun to mess with people.
0: It's funny that you say that. So I travel a lot for my job. Like I'll drive. So I'm in St. George, Utah, and I'll drive, you know, to Boise or I'll drive to Cheyenne mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever to Denver. And you know, that's the okay. hours in the car. And I can tell you that we're exactly where my diaphragms are at right now. They're sitting in my, my mm-hmm. work car and that's what I do when I'm driving. I'll have those things in and, and yeah, cause I can't annoy anybody and I'll just do, yeah. you know, different things. I've watched your, your stuff and so I'll, I'll, pick up stuff from you to practice and, and whatnot and just try to make different sounds and uh, sometimes I'll throw the the tube in and, and do that people give you a, they look at you funny when you're doing that in the car but because um, <laughs> what I found actually kind of going back to my question about whether you know new guys should use tubes or not is you know like like for perfect example I was driving from from Denver back home and I, I practiced a lot I, you know I probably spent gosh probably four of those nine hours driving or 10 hours whatever it was with actually making calls. And then what I found is when I got home, I actually put the tube to my mouth and I almost had to adjust a little bit once I actually had the tube to make it sound how I want to make it sound. So I wonder, if you, do you find that as you're teaching new people, like, okay, here's how you do it without the tube and then when you get the tube, you have to adjust it a little bit or was that
1: just me? It's, it's you know, some people will, you know, adjust because, <clears throat> When they're practicing without a tube, you have no restriction on what you're doing with your mouth. Yeah. But as soon as, but as soon as you introduce a tube, especially if you have a tube that has a small opening, then you feel you need to change the way you hold your mouth Mm -hmm. in order to bugle into that. So I, I prefer a tube that has a little bit more of a a, a flared in actually my favorite tube and and I'm a tube junkie. If there's a new I, tube on the market, you can bet your butt I'm buying it, blowing on it, and and and, and in fact, each year I, I do the grunt tube channel. As I was gonna say, I love the grunt on, tube on the channel. channel. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know what's funny is okay. So the first year when I did that, and and you, you know it it says what's the best bugle tube on the market for such and such year. Yeah. Man, the comments got hammered. Phelps, Rocky Mountain, this, that, and I would respond. Because the way I do the grunt tube challenge, I mean, you've seen it. Yep. I get off camera. You can't you see can't. what tube I'm using. You're voting only on sound. And, and so, you know, I would I would jump in the comments and I'd be like, okay, then choose. Choose which one is, you know, that company or which one's that company. And, and they would vote. And then when I announced <laughs> the results and showed the tubes and how the voting shook out, second year. I had three times as many views on the video, but an eighth of the number of votes. Oh, wow. Yes. Because all those people that were sitting there going, this tube's the best, this tube's the best. A majority of them did not vote for the tube that they were saying was the best. Wow. So wow. And, and that's why I love the Grunt Tube Challenge because it takes all of that out of the equation. And, and you basically just have to vote on sound. And everybody hears something a little bit differently. right? You know, some people, some people like a little more top, you know, top end, some people like, you know, bottom end. Uh-huh. And, and so that's, what's kind of cool about this. But my number one favorite tube of all of them out there is the antagonizer from Mile High Note Game Calls. Okay, nice. So from Tom, Tom and yeah. Thomas. Calls to me, yeah, to me the, the mouthpiece and the way they have the throat on that to me it gives the perfect amount of back pressure. Okay. And, and back pressure is important when you're bugling because that's what gives you note stability. Too much back pressure, you almost have to push mm-hmm. the sound out into the tube. not enough back pressure. your air just flows right out and you run out of air. but you get that right enough that right amount of back pressure. And it dams the sound up and get much better note control. And and yeah, that that antagonizer from Mile High Note is my number one favorite too. I'm gonna have to check
0: that out. I I love those guys. Those guys have some really really cool stuff. I, I but I've never I've never tried the antagonizer. Sorry, I'm taking notes over they, here. By the way, I, I'm kind of a, in, I'm kind of a geek. A little, I, bit, I, I, so. can, tell. <laughs> I can tell.
1: So they will. Uh, they'll 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 be in Salt Lake nice so um, they'll, yeah they'll have a booth so so any of you guys heading to the western hunting conservation expo at the salt lake palace coming up here february 10th through the 13th make sure that you stop by a mile high note game calls pick up the antagonizer and tell them that michael batiste from elk calling academy sent you over that's beautiful there's that was, your shameless plug Tom. that
0: was beautiful goodness gracious i get it's a good thing i recorded i'm gonna send him that yeah. and put it on a on a commercial <laughs> there you go there and, you go you know it's funny because so in indoor i i feel like you know like phelps they've they've become like the yeah. quote-unquote sexy uh game calls kind of like the mountain ops kind of a thing I, I don't know if it's just because their marketing is so good or they got in with the right people or what it, what it is um and i'll be honest i you know, I, I've used a few different ones. I've used the Rocky Mountain. Actually, the Rocky Mountain's mine. I, I I like that one. Um, so because I'm more, I, I need more of the bottom end when I'm I'm mm-hmm. calling, and I feel mm-hmm. like that one kind of gave, mm-hmm. me, gave me came more of that. I can't remember what the actual name of the actual tube is, but um, but like I see, I feel like for me, there's not a lot of difference between between some of these. I feel like um, I can kind of make the sounds with all of them. Maybe so, some sounds a yeah. little. Sound a little bit better. I think is it, you got to be pretty good to to tell the difference. Do you agree with that, or is it just me?
1: You you do, and and I mean, it it definitely does get into brand brand favorites. And there's there's nothing wrong with you know supporting your favorite brand, and maybe right. it's the people or the company or the ethics or or this or that or or. Um, but but for a lot of people, that's the only call they've ever tried. That's true, And so they don't know if another brand fits better or another brand sounds better. And, um, I mean, I, I when I'm out there, I mean, I've, I've got Phelps reads, I've got, you know, the rip it reads. Cause you know, I worked with Mark Carlton and Wayne Carlton to, uh, develop a couple of reads for those guys. Um, I, you know, some Rocky mountain hunting calls, heck, I've even gone north of the border to Wapiti river outdoors, uh, nice. you know, Smith, Smith game calls. Um, I mean, there's, there's really not a game call company out there that I have not ordered reads in and, and blown on them. So is, it's, um, and it,
0: it's actually one it's, thing I really like
1: about you, your
0: chant, your, your channel and what you do is, is you kind of do everything. You're not like dedicated, like, yep, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Phelps guy. and That's all I'm going to tell you to use. I, I like that. You're just kind of everything and, and utilize what makes it sound the best for you.
1: It, it, everybody's a little bit different. What works better for them is, is, is different. Um, and, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about this yeah. is it, there's something that will fit everybody. And, 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 you know, the crazy thing is, is, you know, even, even within hunting camps, You know, you will you will have people that know this is the only call that's allowed in our camp, but you have somebody that's struggling, and they're like, "You just need to practice better," (laughs) and and then man, I get I, I get their hands on them, or I get my hands on them, and I get them into another another manufacturer and man, all of a sudden they're just, you know, singing Dixie and they're like, Oh, I can't wait to show the guys. (laughs) um, But it's, it's, it's the ability to try different things to find what really fits you. And, and that's, that's the key thing there is finding what works best for you. And, and then you can get into, you know, me, I, I prefer either a single heavy latex or a one and a half or a double um more so i'm going to go on a single heavy latex or a one and a half um because a one and a half to me i think is a great all around because you can you can play the front half of the long read and it acts like a single read but then when you get into bugling you get that half read that then gives the backbone to where you can really get aggressive on it and it acts like a double so you get the best of both worlds on that uh, but yeah, most, most of the time though, I'm, I'm a, I'm a single, single heavy read, especially out hunting, uh, just cause you can, you know, pretty much do any sound that you want and control it pretty dang well.
0: When I was going to ask you that, because I think that's a question that people listening to the podcast are probably going to wonder, like, you know, you talked about the new guys or new people that are getting into it and using that light single latex read. No, I guess the question is, you know, why don't the the pros, you know, these guys that do competitions use that? Why use uh, you know, the read and a half or or these other triple reads or whatever? What's the what's the benefit? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but for those guys that don't, what what would what would be your answer to that?
1: Because when you're first starting, you're a little bit timid, anyways. Now. It, not everybody's the case. I actually had one student that actually the best read for him was a was a a 750 triple from native by carlton wow just because he was just because he was an extremely heavy heavy tongue pressure guy and and, and so and that's the difference because, You'll get some people that are tongue drivers, that mean they drive the read and drive the note the notes with their tongue pressure. Uh-huh. And then you have other guys that drive the read with air pressure, where they use their diaphragm read to force that air out. And, and so that's the key there. And, and that's why you got to find the read that works best for your style. But for a newer caller that single white latex is going to give you the best response. Now, as you start growing and you start advancing, you're going to go out of that single read really quick, especially once you start getting into the bugling aspect of it, because you're going to start to learn about the tongue pressure. Excuse me. You're going to start to learn about that tongue pressure and that air pressure, and you're going to go past that light latex, and then you're going to step into a medium weight latex. And then you can advance up into the heavy and then into the multiple reads. And then at that point, man, the the sky's the limit. And you can you can pretty much grab any read on the market at that point and make it sing. And and those those
0: triple reads and heavier reads allow you to really hit a whole lot of different pitches. You can get those really deep sounds. You can get those chirpy sounds when you're when that bugle's chirping and and things like Balling. that. So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, cause
1: you can put a ton of pressure on, but the downfall to those is you don't have a lot of control on them. So if, if you get in a situation where you need to be doing some real delicate cow calling, you, you lose that controllability aspect on a triple. Yeah. So I know P pe- I know people that can, that can still, you know, do the full gambit of sounds on a triple, but uh, for me personally, it's, it, it, it's kind of that middle of the road with that single heavy latex or that one and a half that God just really, really opens up the door for anything that you want to do and controllability. And it doesn't take a ton of air. Mm-hmm. Triples take a ton of air to run. And I don't know if, you, if you've ever been running up the hill after a bull or something, <laughs> and then you try to make an elk sound and your mouth is dry and you're winded and and trying to put all this together and usually it doesn't turn out very well.
0: Yeah. Well, what
1: I found, you know,
0: lately, like, like I said, I go out every year and I call elk just cause it's fun to go and call elk. But what I found is I really don't bugle a ton anymore unless it's like the right situation where, yeah, I really want, you know, this guy's being really aggressive and I know I can bugle and really interact with him. But for the most part, I'm just cow calling, you know, doing different cow pitches and things like that. And, um, that's why kind of same thing. I use a heavier latex or single heavy latex uh, reed um, because it allows me to to do some of those different cow tones. And then if I need to start getting into the bugles, I, I can do that as well. And so that's kind of become my favorite one. Uh, what do you do? Are you more of a, a bugler? And just because I mean, because again, bugles are the cool, sexy thing to do. Are are you
1: more of a cow caller or a bugler? Honestly, it it. it it varies from day to day hour to hour encounter encounter so mm. our our approach is basically we're going to we're going to kind of take the bull's temperature you know and and what i mean is is we're we're doing certain sounds to gather information right. so that we know what we're dealing with you know are we dealing with a younger satellite bull that's out on his own are we dealing with like a middle-aged class bull that has 3 4 cows are we dealing with a big herd bull cuz you're going to approach each one differently but also, too, what is their mindset on that day? Are they aggressive? Are they non-aggressive? And, and so there's there's not this cookie-cutter single approach one way works on all elk. Each elk is different. Because I can guarantee if, if you've got a bull that, even if he is a herd bull that has cows, if he's not an aggressive that mindset that day you go aggressive at him, he's just going to end up shutting up and, and going the other way because he doesn't he, he's not in that mindset. So um so yeah, for us it's it's take that bull's temperature, read the situation, and then we'll adjust. So sometimes it it may be count only. Sometimes it may just a little bit of huff, grunts, and wines and maybe some raking. Other times it's it's full on scream fest. I'm going to call you every name in the book, and you're going to shout it right back. But dang it, we're going to have a heck of a lot of fun on this. And <laughs> those are the so, ones we
0: dream about. Those that that's the one that I love when you get those ones. And oh my
1: gosh, it's so much fun. Oh, absolutely. And and, and I mean, there's there's times where we've taken a bull that the only response we've gotten is just Ooh, you know this uh-huh. little betting moan and. Oh yeah. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm right here. What do you want? (laughs) And, and, you know, we move in and then, and then we kind of, you know, set up and we start working patiently and in our approach and our setups is, is the, the way I tell people is imagine you're building a fire, you know, you you don't just throw full rounds right onto the, right onto the fire pit and, you know, toss a match and off it goes. You, You start with smaller pieces and you start adding larger chunks of wood so that you can get up to those big chunks. Working a bowl is the same way. You know, you're you're kind of starting gingerly kind of light because you want to have that ability to accelerate the emotion, the excitement. You, you want to have a direction to be able to take that. But if you just come out guns blazing, you have nowhere to move. Right. And if he's not in that mindset, you're done. Keep hiking. Go find another.
0: I think that's uh, one thing a lot of new people into elk hunting have got to learn is, is how to approach each situation. And is that part of the elk calling Academy? I know, I know a big part of it is teaching people how to call and how to make those, those sounds and things like that. But does it, uh, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but does it work into situational and and how to approach different situations? And and, I mean, obviously every, like you said, every encounter, every situation is a little bit different, but kind of
1: building into those. Yeah. So, so Elk Calling Academy, it's kind of deceiving on the name because it's more than just calling. Um, yeah, you know, not only do I go over using a diaphragm read, I go into all of the cow sounds, what they are, what they mean, how to do them. I go into all the bull vocalizations. Um, and, and especially on the, on the, you know, paid Patreon page and also in the, in the e course that's coming up, I open up my playbook. I tell you exactly how I do things, you know, depending on the time of year, what my mindset is, what my approach is, what I'm going to do in the morning, what I'm going to do midday, what I'm going to do in the evening. Uh, if I get this kind of response from a bull, if I get that kind of response, if I get no response, you know, what we do as a team to kind of build excitement. Um, I mean, I, I get into, um, I mean, heck on there, I've got, uh, videos on there of, Basically, e scouting tools that I use to e scout what I look for in elk country, um, the tools that I use to unlock those, and then once I have those, then what do I do, and and how do I know once I have boots on the ground if this is a good area for me to come back and hunt or if I'm not going to? And um, <coughs> dang it, excuse me, I think I even have an article in there on FOC and uh-huh. arrow weight and so so it's it's a lot more than just calling. Wow.
0: That's awesome. That's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that I think anybody could benefit from. Cause I'm, I'm sure that people listen to this podcast. Oh yeah. I've been an elk hunter my entire life. I've, I've hunted every year, you know, things like that. And actually, you know what, let's be honest. I, I'm one of those. I've hunted elk a lot in my life. I've hunted Colorado elk, I've hunted Utah elk and whatnot. But I'm am a sponge over here, just listening to the stuff that you're talking about and
1: taking every bit of it in because I, I feel like all of us can well, learn some and, of those things. We can because actually elk hunting is tough. Yeah, and and the average the average is one elk every five to seven. Years. One elk every five to seven years. So even if you're on the five year average, you can hunt elk for 20 years and you're going to get four elk in that 20 years time span. Now you also hear the statistic of 10% of the hunters kill 90% of the game. Mm -hmm. And every year you see this group of elk hunters that kill elk elk. Every year, almost every single year. Mm-hmm. What are those guys doing different? How are they doing that? I, I, I mean, it's it's one thing. Yeah, I've hunted elk for five, seven years. You know, oh, I've been you know I, I've been elk hunting ten years. Great. How have you done? Oh, I killed a cow once, <laughs> but it was on a rifle hunt in November. Oh, okay, so and and, and, and it's. It's awesome too to talk to people, and especially when working sports shows. Uh-huh. And, and I love it when I was in the I love it when I was in the call booth because I would, and, and this happens so many times that I would do, you know, be demonstrating a bugle. And you always have that one person that walks by and they're like, do that in my area and the oak and just run the other way. <laughs> oh, guess what, buddy? I'm gonna track you down because <laughs> we're gonna have a conversation because I want you to expand on that. Yeah. And ultimately what it ends up being is they got a late start and they were heading up the mountain behind the bull and the bull was heading to his bedding ground. And that person thought, oh, he's just running from me. No, he's heading to his bedding area. He has a destination that he's heading to the fact that he's bugling to you. He's basically telling you, Hey, we're heading this way. Come on if you want. Right. But, but so many people take that as, Oh, they're running or they're call shy or 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 this or that. And I and I love those terminologies. Yep. So um in fact that the call shy aspect comes. Sorry, I'm jumping on my soapbox here. I love this. So joke, the call shy it. aspect. <laughs> so the call shy aspect. And, and I and I hear that you know from so many times. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you bugle that the, the elk just run away. And I'm like, okay. So elk are a dynamic herd animal that are extremely social. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. And they communicate by vocalizations. Yes. But you're telling me that if you bugle, elk are going to run the other way. Yes. So in my mind, I'm picturing elk just running every single different away from each other because bulls are bugling and they're just running away from each other. And I'm like, so if they're doing that, how do they ever come together to breed? How do they ever repopulate if they just run from bugles? And they'll kind of get this puzzled look on their face. And they said, look, here's, here's a story from about five, six years ago. Uh, we, we were hunting an area here in Idaho And we went out on an evening hunt and I was calling for one of my buddies and we had two bulls come in that night and, and he got a shot and it was right at last light and and we heard the arrow hit and the bull runs off. And so we went up and kind of started tracking, but it was just too dark. So we go back in the next morning and all we could find was pin drops. And I mean, it was really tough because there were so many elk in that area to distinguish a single track, but Uh We stayed on what we thought was his track and we end up going about a mile and a half. We pop up over this little, little finger Ridge into a basin. And here's this bull down there. We can see him in the meadow, the same bull from the night before, just screaming and chasing cows. And it's like, wow. So, you know, what did we hear? We heard the arrow hit and I mean, he's fine. And so we, we backed out. And about four days later, three days later, came back in. And now I'm with another member of the group calling for him. And this is a morning hunt. And I got out of the truck to grab something from the back. And I mean, it's Jurassic Park in the dark. There are multiple bulls screaming. And, and I get in the truck and I said, hey, Mike, I, I said, I've got good news and bad news. He goes, what's the good news? And I said, I found the elk. He goes, what's the bad news? And I said, they're right there about 40 yards on the other side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we get we get out of the truck and, and we kind of slip up in there and, and I put Mike out front and I started calling and, and uh, you know, again, multiple bulls up above us on this face screaming. And and all of a sudden I hear one commit and his bugle's getting closer. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is gonna, and, and Mike had never killed a bull. And I said, this is gonna happen. Oh, this man. is gonna happen. And I hear Mike's go, Bo go off and you know, you hear that, you hear that, that, that hit. That beautiful sound. That- and so, yes. And so I I keep calling to try to calm the bull down. and And the way we communicate is if the shooter got a shot, usually they'll turkey call or they'll, you know, cow call, uh-huh. but they'll turkey call to the, sh- to the shooter, or I mean, to, the, to caller the caller telling us, Hey, it's okay to come up. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't hear that. So I kept calling. And then all of a sudden I hear his bow go off again. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm really confused now. Yeah, and, and, and then at this point, everything goes quiet. And so I slip up there and he's still standing exactly where he was. And I'm like, did you shoot twice? He goes, yeah. I said, two different bulls. And he goes, no. I go, what the ha- What happened? He goes, man, he goes, all those bulls were screaming up there. And see that, see that really d- prominent trail. I said, yeah. He goes, all of a sudden I just saw legs. And this bull comes down the trail and wa- walks right in front of me and stops right in that opening. And so I shot him and he spun and he ran back up the trail, but you immediately started calling. And he stopped right up there. heard you. And then he turned and he walked right back down the trail, oh my right gosh. to that same spot. So I shot him again and I'm like, oh man, this is, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so we wait a little bit, we get on the blood trail and I mean, just this two arrows in, you can imagine what this blood trail is. Oh, yeah. like. And so, so we find the bull and so we take pictures, we high five, we do all that. And, and it's like, okay, he's already, he, he's, he's already laying on his left side. So let's. Let's peel this right side off and get these quarters off. We peel the hide off and running right parallel with the ribs underneath the hide. No. was the first arrow from three nights previously. So you want to talk about call shy. This is a bull that I called in three times in three days and got shot three times. (laughs) If any elk was going to be call shy, it would be that dude. Yeah, Yeah. Especially after he got shot for the second time. Yeah, let's
0: see that set between the second and third shot that he got shot like to have him walk up that mountain and then
1: come back down after a good solid shot that tells you yeah. a lot about elk right there yeah. it, it it does and and so so it's not that elk are call shy it's it's understanding their vocalizations mm-hmm. so and, and and also having variations now there is some truth to some extent about call shy and what i mean by that is the hoochie mama okay uh-huh. When the Hoochie Mama came out, it was a highly effective call because it has a pitch and frequency that elk recognize and they tune into that. The only problem is it has one frequency. And you're looking around, you're like, I got a Hoochie Mama. I've I've got one, it's it's right around here somewhere. Everybody's (laughs) got one. It's a great tool, but but when it was first came out, everybody was using them. And since it only has that one frequency, Elk would come into that frequency and they would have the human interaction. Now, after a couple of times, they're going to associate that frequency with human. Because if you ever listen to elk vocalizations, it's not one frequency. Mm-hmm. It's they a vary lot it. of different. Yeah, it is. It's high pitches, low pitches, mid pitches, long, short. And, and so elk can't clue in on that. That multiple frequencies, it's it's when you're only doing one frequency that they are going to associate that. But if you call a bull in or you call an elk in and they bust you, they wind you, they smell you, they see you something. Mm -hmm. If you're only doing one sound, they're going to associate that with human. Yeah. But two, three, four days later, they would have forgotten all about that. Their brain resets because they are a very social herd dynamic animal and vocalizations and communication is a vital part to their survival.
0: I love the hoochie mama for, for a couple of purposes. Now, when I first started getting to it, I was like, it, I loved it. But now, the where I love using it, I love giving it to my kids, and I love giving it to my yeah. wife because they feel like they're calling, and then because you know you can you can squeak that a couple times, and you'll get a response from a bull, and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. So it kind of starts yeah. getting them hooked on it, and then you're like, oh yeah, yep. now now watch this, and Dad pulls out the diaphragm and blows at him, and then you know the whole world comes alive, and then it's like, oh, okay, so this this is. This is awesome. I, so I love the hoochie mama for that reason to kind of get
1: them like kind it's, of started it's, on no, it. It's, it's, it's a great tool. It's a great tool. I, I carry it, I carry one because it's a great tool to add into the diaphragm to represent multiple cows. But again, Let's, you're doing multiple frequencies. You're doing multiple sounds.
0: that's kind of why I've, I really like it as well. Like when, it, even if I'm just by my, myself, I have mine with me as well. Cause then I can, I can do a diaphragm uh, cow call and the hoochie mama, the, kind of the same time. So like, wait a second, there, there's two cows right there. It's not just one. So they start, you know, yep. kind of thinking that okay, this is actually yeah. a group. This oh, is actually It's, a, real it's deal. a good tool. It is. Mm-hmm. Oh man, Michael, we I could talk to you all day long. I know you probably have family <laughs> and things to go back to, and I'm I'm so sorry that I'm keeping you you so long. No, but man, oh, I am true, loving it's this. Okay, I could talk, else you know, Yeah, no, it's all the time.
1: So so can I and and you know when when I told Liz I was recording a podcast tonight she's like okay I'll see you in a couple of hours I said no I said he only allocated one so she goes yeah and and I said it's it's not like I'm I'm getting on with you know some of the other guys that we just start diving down rabbit holes and next thing you know it's two two and a half hours later so which definitely happens and 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 yeah it's it's easy to sit down and get started and talking about elk and and run to so many different places but yeah this has been been a blast and I would I would definitely love to come back and dive more into it.
0: I was gonna say I almost want to steal from old guy and guy's gonna probably come over here and kick my butt because I know he's had you on a few times doing Whoppity Wednesdays, but I i almost want to steal you for that and have you do this because yeah, man I know so many things I, I love to just just chat about. Oh my gosh. Cause yeah I could same same and the thing about elk hunting and I you know coming back to the Elk calling Academy is there's just, you know, there's, there's so much involved with elk, you know, different sounds, different situations, different, you know, calls. I mean, you could spend you and I could spend two hours talking about one call and how to use that
1: call. And, oh, absolutely. So. Well, and, and and here's the here's the difference. And here's here's one thing that a lot of people need to understand within the elk vocalizations is there are vocalizations that ask for actions. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just communicating. It's not just talking like we are there are sounds that ask for a certain action. And, and the problem is, is sometimes there are actions that, and and, and again, this is, you know, from inner encounters and and talking with lots of people. So many people will get in a situation with a bull and that, you know, say, say they're doing cow sounds and that bull is doing a type of bugle that's saying, come to me, Mm -hmm. come here, come to me, come to me. And, And they stay there and the bull's getting more agitated, so he's getting more demanding. He's still doing the same type of sound, but he's getting more vocal. He's getting more demanding. And they're sitting there going, oh, my God, he's getting riled up. Yeah. No, he's not. He's getting, he's getting frustrated because you're he's asking you to come to him. Mm-hmm. Then on the flip side, if they're bugling, they'll get a bull that's doing a sound that's saying, stay away. And that's yeah, exactly fine. what they do. They stay exactly where they're at, and they're like, man, we bugle at each other for an hour and 15 minutes. Did you go towards him? No. Was he doing this type of bugle? Yeah. Did he ever come to you? No, that's because the bugle he was doing, he was telling you, stay away. Mm-hmm. And you were doing exactly what he asked really? you to. So he's fine talking to you at that distance because you're doing what he's telling you to do. So it's it's recognizing, and that's what I was talking about, is, is you know we take that bull's temperature. What is he saying to us? Is he responding to cow sounds more? Is he responding to bugles more? And then we'll adjust what we're doing based on the information that we're getting back from that bull. Yeah. And that's going to increase the number of call-ins. So I love that. And and I guess so what I was gonna say
0: is so I learned a second language. I learned how to speak Spanish, you know, when I was okay. when I was nineteen years old. And and I, I really compare calling elk to learning a different language because it really is. Going to to your point, you know, elk vocalizations are saying a whole bunch of different things and so you've gotta learn all those different things. And and I hope that the people listening, especially the people that are new to, to elk calling, don't get overwhelmed by this either i know we're talking about a lot of different vocalizations no. and things you got to learn and learn in a different language yeah. it's not that scary i mean it, it you do have to no. learn what's going on, but but it's possible, and there's there are ways to be yes. able to to learn that. That's why I love having you on here, Michael, is because yeah. <laughs> Michael has one of those ways of how to learn these things <laughs> and become better and and be a better be a better hunter and just have a lot more freaking fun when you're out in the mountains when you can actually talk to these these things and oh you know if they're telling you to stay where you're at or, or if they're telling you to come here. <laughs> And you can do either that or do the opposite and piss them off and then you can <laughs> then it gets exciting after that. So um, you know, yeah. I, I think- well
1: and in the god, then we can dive into the aspect of of you know elk biology and elk behavior. Yeah. Why do they do what they do and, and you know what what's the different things that they do and, and and I mean that's an aspect that I think so many people don't put the time in mm-hmm. is is to 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 strengthen between the years and, and learn the biology and behavioral side of elk. And yeah. that's, that's one thing that, man, you understand that stuff and it changes the game dramatically.
0: Is that stuff that you talk about during the academy, during your e-course and stuff
1: like that? I, I, I do. And actually on the new e-course, we're going to dive a lot more in depth into it. Um, because I think it is important that if you do understand, you know, that biology behavioral aspect of it, um, it's going to help you find you know, elk. And I, I mean, really the, the, the top two questions I get are how do I find elk? And then what do I say to them? Mm -hmm. Um, But, but there's so much in between that. And, and honestly, I will tell everybody that if you want to learn about elk behavior, go listen to Chris Rowe at row hunting resources. Yeah. The guy's a biologist Mm -hmm. and he explains elk behavioral patterns in in such a good way, mm-hmm. and 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 honestly, go listen to everybody that you can on Elk. You yeah. know, go listen to Chris, go listen to Corey Jacobson. You know, Paul Medell. Yeah, there's Paul. there's a lot of resources. You know, Tom and Thomas at, at Mile High Note. Um, there's a lot of resources and everybody. Everybody kind of talks about the core stuff, but then everybody has their little twist Mm -hmm. on some of the other things. And what's kind of cool is, you know, somebody can go listen to all those and then they can pick and choose from each one and then develop their own style. You know, it's not mimicking somebody, but it's it's kind of developing their own style. And, And I'll tell you what, information is a key. I mean, you go listen to five people. You're going to be five times smarter than you were when you started. Yep. So, but, but yeah, the the biology, you know, behavioral aspect of it. Um, and and in fact, you you brought up guy. I actually called him today. He had. Uh, you know, this last Wednesday or yesterday, he launched an episode with James Nash. Uh-huh. That, uh, I mean, James is 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 another one, and the things that they were talking about in there. And guy made the comment. He goes, "I'm geeking out right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to do. <laughs> it is. It is.
0: <laughs> well, it's so freaking fun to do. I love. I just love learning these <laughs> animals. I I guess I should have. Maybe I should have been a biologist. I guess I'm a, I'm a I'm a nurse, I'm a biologist for humans. I should have been a, a wildlife biologist so that I could learn some of these things, but it really is it's it's so much fun and I'm the same way. Like like I said, I'm over here taking notes. I really truly geek out on on some of this stuff cuz I mean, what it's just fun. And you know, it is fun to learn these different things. And like you said, you can listen to and learn from so many people. I you know, yep. I have listened to Chris Rowe on um oh, on Jay Scott's podcast. You know, yeah, they, they talk a lot of turkeys, which okay, calling turkeys is fun, but it's nothing like calling elk. No offense, turkey guys that are out there, they, they're probably <laughs> cussing me right now. But, um, but you're right. There's so much that you can you can learn from those guys, and, and that's the fun thing about this is just it, it's fun because you can continue to learn and grow and get better and better. I mean, and we all can. You know, even the guys that do these elk calling competitions and, and win them and world champions and and whatnot even those guys have stuff that they can learn and forget pro- progress and, and do better at. So it, it really is. It, it's, it's more of the, uh, it's more of the trip rather than the destination, the journey rather than Absolutely. the destination with when it comes to elk. Hunting. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it is. And and honestly, so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, pick the Turkey hunters back up because I'm going <laughs> to say, <Save> if, me. <laughs> if, if, if you know, if, if you take the approach to Turkey hunting as you do to elk hunting, as far as the calling aspect of it, Mm -hmm. you'll be amazed how the dynamics of that turkey hunt changes. So, because you'll, you'll, you'll notice, you'll, you'll notice a lot of the same similarities of, you know, a Tom working as flock of hens, like a bull working as, you know, harem of cows. And, and there's, there's some similarities in there and it's like, okay, I'm gonna take this approach because this is what I do in September. And it's like, holy crap, that worked. Mm-hmm. So I mean, now mind you, I'm not doing elk vocalizations. I'm doing, you know, turkey vocalizations. But, right. But yeah, it it it, it is, and, and it is one of those things that so um it I I've been pretty blessed in, in, in my career, um, you know, being able to do seminars where it's Wayne Carlton and myself, you know, talking back and forth about approaches and feed. Uh, I've been able to do that same thing with Rocky Jacobson. And and I mean, these, these are some pioneers of elk hunting. And when I first got into the hunting industry and the call industry, my very first show that I did was a, uh, an elk event down at a sportsman's warehouse in Salem, Oregon. And I flew from Boise to Portland. I got picked up and then we drove down to Salem and, we set the booth up and we show up the next day and all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm like, oh my God, that's Al Morris and Dan Witness. <gasps> that's Jim Horn. <laughs> that's Dieter Kabbath. That That's Ralph Malin from Abenz. That's Larry D. Jones. Uh-huh. And, and here I am with all these guys. And then we go out to dinner that night. All of us go out to dinner that night. And I'm sitting at this table. I don't think I said three words at that table. I mean, when you're at a table with that type of crowd yeah you you
0: you, just sit there and listen (laughs)
1: yeah oh my (laughs) gosh and so so i've i've been extremely blessed to hit that hit that time where i gotta spend time and and do seminars together with those guys and 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 grow and then you know now it's it's you know be friends with you know Corey and tom and paul Medell and and you know all of us and and uh, I mean, it's just, it's it's cool. And I've been fortunate enough to sit on a panel uh-huh. with a few of us on the same, and audience just fired, you know, questions and oh, it's, oh my it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
0: You know, something I really love about the hunting, you can call it hunting industry, whatever you want to call it, but you know, people that should be competitors, you're like, like guy and myself really should be competitors. We have really, I mean, our podcasts are very similar and, you know, we're we're doing a lot of similar things guy's one of my best bros you know like we yeah. we do this together and and you're, like what you're saying is you know you and corey and paul and, and all these guys you know you, you can build the community together and, and that's that's just something that i absolutely,
1: absolutely love about we as hunters you know, and what we do and and support each other and and yeah. i mean you know i and i completely forgot you know i haven't mentioned you know joe julia and the Elk bros yeah. group uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been on their show, you know, Joe's, Joe's going to come on to one of my whoppity Wednesdays as a guest. And nice. I, it, it's just, it, it, it's helping people. Yep. And that's, that's what it's all about. And yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't tell you that your, uh, guy, your best bro there is joining me in my hunting camp this September.
0: Is he really that sucker? Gosh, dang it, guy! You son. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, that. yeah. It was 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 online last last month. Uh, getting them all set up and walking nice. him through, and and got the tag, and and so yeah, excited to uh, have him come up. I still remember the day I met him over oh. at Western Hunting Conservation Expo. He was he was actually just a follower of Elk Calling Academy. He really hadn't even started his podcast at that time, at that point yet.
0: Oh, gotcha yeah he's yeah. a cool dude you know i, I love the, the people that i've met in this in this again i don't know what you want to call it everybody you know, industry or what whatever you want to call it you know the people that you meet here it, it's a blast and and you, it's just so much fun to, to learn from each other like you said help each other at the end of the day yeah. you know like, like we were talking i have my job it's fine i pay the bills w- with that this is this is a way for me to help people help the people around me help myself just, just, and, and then just have a lot of fun building a, a network and a community. So, and I, I'll bet the people that are part of the Outcalling Ca- Academy all, you know, that, that becomes a community in and of itself as well. And, and you can lean on others in that. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a cool situation that we're in for lack of better words.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things that I'm going to do this year is, is my, my last Wapiti Wednesday of, of 2021, uh, you know, I said, this is, this is all about you guys. I'm not, I'm not yeah. coming in with the topic. I'm not, this is just answering your questions. And, and so I started asking those guys, I said, what do you, what do you guys want to see for next year? And so, cause I had, I had Guy come on the show. I had Jim Huntsman come on the show and, and, and I said, you know, who do you guys want me to bring in? You know, how do you want me to do this? And, and then I asked him one time, I said, Hey, instead of, instead of doing this live feed where your interaction is just chatting, what if we just did a Zoom? where all of you guys came in on the zoom, you know, I would just, I would mute everybody and, you know, you could raise your hand and maybe what I'll do is pull some of you guys into the center and let you talk about your journey and, and what, how you've grown and, 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 and man, those guys were—they're like, "Oh, we got to do that." Oh and yeah. Man, I'm like, okay, so Heck we'll yeah. we'll see how well this this goes with Zoom and face to face, but it, it's getting everybody together in that community and talking together and supporting each other yeah. and, and helping each other, and that's just that's that's the key there. Yeah, you put
0: good out there, you get good back. That that's just how it works, yeah. you know. So. Well, Michael, so if people want to join the Elk Calling Academy, like what's what's the process? How do how do they get involved? How they or I guess how do they reach out and and start the process? What is it? You know, what does it take to do it? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Okay, you bet. So you can find Elk Calling Academy on. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube—it's Elk Calling Academy. Um, I actually have elkcallingacademy.com that's actually pointing towards the Patreon page right now, and the Patreon right now—it's—I uh, mean, you have two options: you can either pay fifteen dollars a month, or you can do a one-time annual fee of one hundred and fifty. Um, when we when we go when we transition over to the e-course because it's going to be on a different platform everybody that's on the annual subscription i'll be able to see how much time they have left
0: uh-huh. on that
1: annual and then i'll send them a code so they'll go ahead and they'll sign up for the new one but then they'll have a code that'll knock off you know credit that they they have and make that transfer over as as, as easy as possible but um you know can can go right there to to that and and access all of you know those videos uh the training videos the tutorial videos the articles um, you know, I can always reach out and message me on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, if anybody wants, you know, is interested in one-on-one lessons, uh, just, yeah, reach out on Facebook or reach out on, on Instagram and, and start the process. And, uh, you know, I'll look and see what the schedule is like and, and how things are looking and what works with, you know, their schedule. And it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to, to get access to everything. And I, I just, Thought, you know what, we'll just call each and every page on every social platform, Outcalling Academy. And yes, there is a TikTok page for Outcalling Academy. I think there's four videos on there. So <laughs> oh come on, man. But we gotta there's boost gonna be that a up a little bit. Yeah, we gotta get uh, that thing going. Yeah, I know. I, I I know I'm not breaking out the trending dances or trending songs or anything on the outcalling academy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, they're, they're actually there's actually gonna be a lot more content, you know, coming on that. Nice. Um yeah. And then, you know, the Western hunting conservation expo, uh, I'll be there. I'll be at the Boise sportsman show, you know, here in the Boise area. And then who knows about seminars mm-hmm. for next summer. I didn't do any, no, I did one seminar last year. I did the elk, elk event over at, uh, Alpine archery and fly over there in La Grande. So, oh, okay. um, but yeah, I know, you know, Huntsman, we've been talking about having me come up to, north idaho again and that's that's a six hour class that i do up there wow. so wow that's yeah you know that's we charge like 60 60 or 75 or something like that but lunch was served and yeah it was uh it was a full-blown hour class and we kind of limited number of, of people just so that would have time to to work everything but Yeah, we'll see what pops up on the seminar trail this year.
0: Awesome. So at the expo, can people come up and sign up right there at the expo with you?
1: Yeah, we could probably pull up uh you know the, the calendar on the phone and and schedule and it's it's always one of those things when i put it in the put it in the phone and then i got to come home and actually compare it with the calendar that's here at the house because you know that calendar actually tells me where i'm supposed to be when i'm supposed to be there (laughs) right um but yeah you you know can can get the first initial one you know set up and then if we need to you know make adjustments on on date and time um you know usually usually i run lessons monday through thursday Okay. Um, and all times, all times are mountain and, and I'll do them any, at either six or seven 30. So usually run, you know, two a night. And I know I get asked by a lot of people, what about Friday or what about weekends? And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a family guy that likes to hunt, fish, hike, camp and all that. So sorry. I, I need a little bit of me, a little bit of me time here. Yep. And there. I'll say I rarely
0: schedule any, like, I don't really do podcasts on friday saturday sunday i don't do i really don't do much on those days those days are my days to to be i'm doing a lot of predator calling and hunting right now so i've been doing a lot of that lately so yeah that 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 is my time to to be able to do those things so
1: absolutely absolutely
0: well cool man well i i boy your wife was right i I kept you for two hours i apologize (laughs) tell her i'm so sorry that i kept you that long but it's 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 all right well and a, just a couple of things because um you know I'm, I'm a little bit selfish in, in this podcast because i i really do want to do the Outcalling academy and so you'll be you'll see my name coming across um it's just something that cool. i it's something i've actually wanted to do for for quite a while and then when i reached out to do this podcast and you were cool to do it i was like oh my gosh this is this oh. is awesome this is this is like you sitting in that room with al morris and, and all those <laughs> guys this is Karen sitting with michael batiste and being able to have this conversation so i'm uh, i'll definitely i definitely uh definitely want to get set up a, a, and do that and then i'm i'm serious if you'd be willing to do more podcasts i know absolutely i, I get a lot of questions about elk hunting and yeah. i you know I, I i can answer a lot of them i you know I've, I've i've hunted and killed several elk and i can share my own experiences but i am nowhere near an expert at this stuff so if you'd be willing yeah i would love to have you on more podcasts and share so it with, I, our, with our this team. is
1: yeah this is this has been a blast you know definitely thank you for you know the invite and have me on and i would i would absolutely love love to come back and talk more like like you said i could i could sit down and talk elk all night long
0: what we ought to do is since i do come to boise quite a bit i'll bring my equipment next time i come up and if you don't mind let's let's sit down and do something together where i can i can actually you know see you in real life
1: Yeah, because, you know, I've I've got the light kits and everything here in the studio and and the microphones and well, I only got the one road, but yeah, we could we could definitely uh, set it up and do it. You know, I got the. I got the nice, you know, backdrop yeah. with the, the the comfy food, you know, comfy futon, and <laughs> yeah. In fact, Dennis, 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 and Joe came over here, and we actually did a live event uh, one time with with Dennis and Joe from Initial Ascent, yeah. and I set set all the camera gear and lights up downstairs on the couch, and it was it was a good time having those guys on.
0: Heck yeah, yeah. I could read my, my stuff's pretty. I've, I've just got the roadcaster and my mic and stuff, so yeah, I could bring it with me and. We could have a we could have a lot of fun, but lo- we need to make this a, a pretty frequent yeah. thing. I, I'd love to just, if nothing <laughs> else, just sit down and talk out because I know that our listeners love listening to to elk talk and and getting some some tips and tactics
1: through through it as well. <laughs> so here's what we'll do. So for for all of you listening to the eHunter podcast, send your questions in. And so we'll sit down and and we will kind of figure out a frequency schedule and maybe we'll do it on a regular routine basis. Or what we'll do is once we get so many questions from you guys, then we'll jump on something and go through that list of questions. And then, you know, we'll just we'll just keep rolling on a regular schedule until you guys run out of questions or you get tired from hearing from us.
0: (laughs) You're the man, Michael. You are the man. I appreciate (laughs) that. Yeah. Send those send those questions in. You can email them in Taron H at ehunter.com or you know social media, you can send them in on there as well, but that would be wonderful. And, and Michael, I could probably already put about 20 or 30 questions together that um, some of our followers have asked us that I would love to pick your brain on. Sounds good.
1: I'd love it. That'd be
0: cool. Cool. All right, brother. Well, I'll let you back to your, your evening. Tell your wife, I'm sorry for uh, keeping you so long, but uh, if I don't see you before the expo, I will find you at the expo. Let, let's uh, get to a chance to sit down and, and chat a little bit and get to know each other yes. a little bit better.
1: That'd be cool. Look forward to it. Thank you.
0: Cool. Thanks, Michael. I'll let you back to it.
1: Have a good night. You too. Thank you. See ya.